Our first lesson for this Sunday is from uh, St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, beginning in the second chapter with the first verse. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading from St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota or dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. It sometimes seems like Missouri Synod Lutherans are the funny duddies of the Christian world. I know I certainly heard that during the years of my ministry. You may have heard it as well. We're not alone, of course. We're usually right there at the top of the list when people accuse us of being old-fashioned, being too conservative, being intolerant, of being unwilling to change to keep up with the times, of sticking to old concepts and old beliefs and old practices that just do not apply to people today. But today, our gospel lesson continues from what we refer to as the Sermon of the Mount, the teachings of Jesus included in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people think that the Sermon on the Mount is just some kind of guide for living a good life, a happy a set of rules for how to live so that we can ultimately make God happy with us. But it's not. Last week's gospel lesson began with these words. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and talked to them. The people in the crowd certainly heard Jesus, but his words seemed to focus on the disciples, the men who had been chosen to follow him, to learn from him, and to testify. And eventually, to go into the therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You know, our reading this evening begins with Jesus talking about salt. Now, like probably some of you, I am plagued with a mild case of hypertension. It seems to often come with age. So we try to lose weight and try to cut down on fats and use less salt. But using less salt is not always very easy. After all, from childhood, we've been used to putting salt on just about everything we eat. So today, when we have something without salt, it may not taste as good. It may taste different. It may not taste, well, just a little bit blah. And when we move that salt shaker over to the side of the table so we don't grab for it, there it is. The food may not taste as good. And we can, even if we try to do less salt, if we try to avoid it entirely, which I try to do, uh, it sometimes seems a losing battle. Because so many of the food items that we purchase to eat have large amounts of salt in them. For example, I heard that a simple McDonald's pizza, not a quarter of cheese, not a Big Mac, just a simple, single McDonald's cheeseburger, contains over one-third of the recommended daily salt intake for an adult. Think about that the next time you pull up to the drive-up window at the Golden Arches. Well, no matter whether we add salt or it's already in there before we have our food, Salt is obviously considered a sense of enhanced flavor to make our food taste good. Not only that, but a certain amount of salt is actually necessary to keep our bodies functioning 
function. But throughout history, really until the recent past, salt has had an entirely different use. You probably know about it. You probably heard about it, even if you've never tried it yourself. Until we had freezers and refrigerators, salt was put on meat to preserve it, to keep it from going bad before it could be eaten. Salt prevents the meat from decaying and turning brown. When Jesus told the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount that they were the salt of the earth, he was making it clear that they would someday teach all nations the good news of the gospel. They were responsible for preserving the gospel, the good news that Jesus died and rose for our sins. As apostles, as preachers, as evangelists, they were responsible for spreading God's word so that to what would become very quickly the Christian church on earth. But if Jesus was speaking of salt as a preservative, it became clear that our churches and our pastors today must preserve God's word in its purity and its fullness. For that saltiness, well, it'll be gone. And that's when we start to see the difference between us buddy-buddies and so many who refuse to be what they consider to be old-fashioned or conservative or intolerant or unwilling to change matters of faith. That's where we see the difference between us study buddies and so many different denominations, so many different teachings, so many different contemporary churches and modern-day pastors who feel that the words of the Bible don't always apply today in every situation. Who feel that the words of the gospel recorded 2,000 years ago simply are not relevant to us today. Listen again to verses 17 through 19 of today's gospel lesson. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, in heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass through the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, if Jesus did not come to abolish the law, then how do we reconcile that with what many church bodies teach about abortion rights or about assisted suicide with the commandment that says, you shall not kill. How do we reconcile all sorts of sexual sins with the commandment that says, you shall not commit adultery? How do we reconcile the popular belief that there are many paths to God with a commandment that says, you shall have no other Let's widen this a little bit. If we believe, as Scripture teaches, that the Lord's Supper should be celebrated only with those who have our clear biblical understanding, our clear confession of that we receive Christ's body and blood in, with, and under the bread and the wine, then how do we reconcile this with those who practice open communion where anyone and everyone is invited to participate, no matter what they believe, or no matter what they don't believe. If we believe that every word of Scripture is true, then how do we reconcile this with those who believe that many words and indeed entire sections 
as either relevant or simply not true. When Jesus called the disciples the salt of the earth, he was telling them to preserve God's holy word, to teach it in all pureness and honesty, to teach all of God's word and not just those parts that make us feel good while ignoring those other parts that might offend us. Because if they don't preserve God's word in every respect, they will lose their saltiness and will lose the pure teaching. Their false teaching will be just as Jesus said, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. As an ordained pastor, I have a God-given responsibility to make sure that God's word is preached in pureness and wholeness, and the sacraments are administered exactly as our Lord gave them to us. I have a God-given responsibility to preach the law that condemns us and the gospel that saves us. I have the God-given responsibility to preach and teach the timeless truths of God's word, and not the latest fads or buzzwords that replace God's word with modern-day opinions, modern-day attitudes. I have the God-given responsibility to be a study-study in matters of faith. You know what? I'm not the only study-study here tonight. You are also every one of you. You also are the salt of the earth, the preservation of the Christian church. Each of you must also hold true to God's word, for each of you represents the salvation that Jesus brings to his people. We are forgiven. We are saved. We are proud to let others know that we are forgiven and saved by Christ. Just as salt preserves food from decay, so Christians seek to preserve the earth from false Jesus said that he is the light of the world, and he says here that we are the light of the world. We realize that we, by our lives, by our faith, reflect that saving light of Christ in a world that has been so darkened by sin. We, all of us, are fuddy-duddies as far as the world is concerned. We are fuddy-duddies as far as many other churches are concerned. I don't know about you, but I have experienced this many, many times. And we are fuddy-duddies as far as God is concerned. Because we hold true to the inspired words of Holy Scripture. We hold true to the fact that we are lost and condemned sinners who have been redeemed by our Savior Jesus Christ, who willingly and lovingly gave his life on the cross for us. We hold true to Jesus exactly as he has been revealed to us and exactly as he speaks to us and not as we want him to be revealed or not as we want him to speak. But by the grace of God, he will continue to be the salt of the earth, to preserve our Christian faith and spread the good news to all nations until we are called to join our Savior with all of the fundamentals, the true believers, the faithful who have gone before us to their eternal rest in the arms of our Lord. In Jesus' name.